Welcome, 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 welcome to Arab 20. This is kind of an impromptu um, podcast that I wanted to do today because this is just how I'm feeling right now. Um, one of the things I've described on my journey is the transition from being a mother um, of four children to now being the mother of four adults. You know, what's my role in all that? I just don't believe that society gives credence or gives enough attention to emptiness syndrome. I have been blessed with really having four magical children. Um, each one of them, each one of their child, childhoods, each childhoods, each one of their journeys um, has been life-saving for me. It begins with my daughter, Jade, who's my oldest. She's 36 years old now. And I think when you give birth to your first child and you see them, this magical, special, wonderful, beautiful human being that's so, so, so fragile. And there you have it. And for me, it solidified right my commitment to her. When I first saw her, it made me actually resent my parents more because I didn't, I couldn't understand how they could be the way they were with us, with all of their children. And and in fact, it made me a little bit more intent on righting the wrongs that they did. I applied my hurt to my children. So this term I coined because of this was my pain became their pain, which is really not healthy. So I wanted to eliminate all any kind of discomfort from my children's lives. I wanted to make sure that they were happy all the time. Um, I would tell them I love them so much all the time. And I'm not alone in this. I think a lot of mothers do this. I think this is unhealthy but we want to make their life journey so perfect, free of pain. What I've come to learn now is with pain comes growth. And when I mean pain, I don't mean like physical pain, but, and maybe pain isn't even the right term, but we go through disappointments, we go through these learning phases as our brain grows you know all the 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 pathways the nerve nervous system the emotions the brain is growing right and so part of the growth it's like when it's 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 for example um when you learn not to touch fire because you'll get burned right so that's like a very basic learning process but i'm talking about the learning that comes through relationships that comes Relationships when you're a child, interacting with other human beings, figuring out where you fit in the world. And as a hovering mother, if I'm sort of interceding all the time and, you know, if somebody like, and I did this, so that's why I'm saying this, somebody was mean to my kid at school, I'm going to take care of it. And I'm going to make sure that they don't do that again. I'm going to even give the kid bad looks, right? Like that's how far gone it was. And then I'm telling my children, giving them a false 
sort of image of the world and even of themselves by telling them they're perfect, they're perfect, you're wonderful, you're amazing, you're the best, you're my light. <gasps> oh, you're amazing, you're wonderful, everything's going to be great. But the reality is, as they get older, they're facing these life challenges and they're not equipped to deal with it. And they're not realizing, they're realizing that, okay, so the world doesn't love me as much as my mom does. And that's not realistic. So I'm not really setting them up for success. And all I'm doing is I'm deferring my pain. I'm putting my issues on them that they've never even experienced. They didn't have my parents. I had my parents. I'm a product of that. Okay? Not them. So I'm not even dealing with what I need to deal with. I'm shifting it. Because I'm still broken. I'm still that person, right? And I'm still broken and I'm applying because I'm broken, because I have these issues, I'm doing this act. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of sheltering them. I'm creating a false universe for them. The false universe, which really is so, it's, it's, it's fragile at the end of the day. And I've had these conversations with my kids now and my adult children. Another big facet, I think, of my life at this point was the thing with children, when you have a child, a child will never judge you. A child will see you for you, all of your imperfections, and they love you. It doesn't, they're not going to tell you you're fat, or they're not going to tell you that you're ugly, or they're not going to tell you you can't sing, you know, your baby hears your voice. It's the first voice they hear, you know, especially as a mother. It's perfection to the baby. You, It's the purest love. And it's when you haven't had the love, when you haven't received that love from parents, right? And that's deep in itself too. When you have, you're a product, you're 50% of a person, okay? And they can't look at you with love in their eyes. How does that affect your brain formation? Then you have children, because you, you, you don't even know how to see yourself in the world, right? Because, you know, you've got these parents that are just abusive, mentally, physical, emotionally abusive. And here, you, like, you think, well, it must be me, because I love them. I love these two people. Now, how can I be better? How can I make them love me? What do I need to do? What do I need to, like, how smart do I need to be? How talented do I need to be? I was a very good um, impressionist. I was very funny when I was younger, and I think it got me through. I was able to to adapt to my parents' moods I can make them laugh from a very young age. So what I think with my children was so potent was how they viewed me. They looked at me and they loved me, me, just me, just me standing there in all my glory, whatever I looked like, didn't matter. I could wake up in the morning. If I've got bad breath or my hair's a mess, they still love me. They still look at me with that same love. 
And that feels so good. But I think that's the sort of issue, right? Where do we stop this? When do, when do you start to reflect? And I'm doing that now. Going through empty nest, that empty nest period, I'll never forget when my youngest daughter, I took her to college, and it was a six-hour drive from Tampa to Miami. And I was fine. I was feeling good. We were all ready. It was kind of exciting day. And I remember we, you know, got her all situated. It was looking all good in her room. And I remember it was time to leave and I was still doing well. I I went to the car and then I realized there was something she forgot or there's something I forgot to get from her. And I remember going back and it was then that I gave her whatever it was and I hugged her and that's when it hit me. It was painful. And I remember crying and I can remember her crying and I didn't want to be too hysterical. I remember like walking away, sobbing. And then I was trying to contain it because there's people in the hallway and I'm trying to navigate just to get to my car. It felt like the longest walk to my car. I remember it was really humid because I was in Miami, right? So super hot. And I remember like just I got to get to my car. So when I got in the car, then I just cried and I cried. And it was a six hour drive from there, from Miami to Tampa five, six hours. I cried the whole drive. I'm talking about cried from the depths of my soul. I cried so much. I actually think I was dehydrated from like the loss of fluid from my tears. Because when I got home, I was so stiff. Like I, every muscle in my body was aching. It was like I ran a marathon and I was still crying. And I can remember I got out of the car and I was so sad. And I was just like making my way to my bedroom. I took everything off. I got in a hot shower and was sobbing from the depths. I was so sad. And I can remember like getting out of the shower and then I was climbing into bed. And I think, let's think, the time of day, it had to be about maybe maybe 8 o'clock at night. I slept. I didn't wake up until the next day, until maybe 3 p.m. the next day. Before I went to sleep, I remember calling my oldest daughter. Big mistake, by the way, to burden any of your children with this, these, 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 these issues, these, these, these painful events, or just this, just this whole emptiness thing, because it's too much. They've got to be able to. That's another part of the dysfunction, I think, that I'm, I'm getting over, but. I can remember like just unloading on my oldest daughter, hysterical crying, hysterical. And she was taking it in. And my oldest daughter is an empath and we've got a very strong bond. I remember her crying too. Not like there was, let's really sort of think about this, right? There's nothing that she could have done because this was just another phase of life. The real issue was I couldn't handle it. I was not prepared because I hadn't dealt with my initial issues. And so there I was. And I got off the phone with her. She told me that after she got off the phone, she called all of her siblings and told them, check on mummy and what mummy's going. And she was distraught. Again, a big mistake. 
And I, like I said before, I slept, I slept, I slept, I slept. I woke up the next day, the next day. And I just felt this emptiness. I felt lost. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. I was, it was the first time that I was alone since I was 18 years old. And here I was, I think I was like 51, 50 or 51. And absolutely lost, absolutely lost. And I think that's when the beginning of the internal work started to happen to me. I started to really look at my life because I was having to spend time alone, especially the weekends. And I just, I didn't have, I've never really had a big social circle because I focus so much on my children I just made them my world and there was nobody really to reach out to or anybody I did I was really good friends with they had husbands they had things going on right so I'm sort of landlocked in a way I'm just sort of there in my home and I just had to learn to do things at the time I had two dogs and I think that got me through just I because I had somebody to serve I, I I had to feed the dogs I had to give them water it was something to do make sure they were so it was still part of that programming of taking care of somebody and and putting any pain that I may have you know on them oh I'm going to make sure that they're taken care of you're going to get the best even with the dogs I mean that's just how messed up it is right but that was that's kind of very limiting right because they're, they're dogs I mean they're not going to be able to talk to me or anything or they're not going to tell me, oh, we love you, mama. None, none of that. So at the time, my oldest daughter was um, in residency, medical residency. My son had moved out. He was living with his, at the time, girlfriend. My other daughter was in college. And so I was really alone. And I was just done. And I think everything is kind of amplified at that time. Going to the store to go and get groceries. Like I was so used to buying a huge amount of groceries. And I didn't. I just had to, to turn, kind of be cognizant of that. And I remember even the meals I was cooking were like really makeshift quick things, you know. Because I, I, I didn't even want to be in the kitchen cooking because that... I'm a really good cook and I love to cook and cooking my meal, cooking the meal symbolized the love of feeding the children, right? And so I didn't want to be in the kitchen very much. I, I wasn't watching really any good TV. I was watching like reality TV and even that was hard to get through, really, really hard to focus. And then I I've noticed, and I still am working on this, it was really into my phone. Because my phone, I would get on social media and I'd watch everybody else's life, you know. And if for some reason it it seemed to sort of calm me down a bit, you know, in some ways. And then it just seemed to make me long for my kids too, this, these people. But I'm having to face myself, right? And then eventually, um, you know, she was down there in college and then I eventually made my way I had a, got a job offer and I went to uh, Portland and
And that was really a really deep time. I got a one-bedroom apartment. It was the first time I got a place of my own. And that was sort of barely, very, very, very brand new. And um, again, I had to think of things in a singular way and decorated the place. I didn't have to check in with anybody or compromise or it was just one bedroom apartment. I had my TV and then it was just getting used to the coming and going. And at the time, this is even more um, overwhelming. My, I, my dogs stayed with my daughter at the time when I went to Portland. So this was truly my time alone. And uh, it was like a novel thing to just go to the store alone, to be in a new city alone um, and start a new job. I mean, when you, one of the most loneliest times, I think, was you start a new job, you don't know anybody at the job, and it's really, I'm not, Portland is its own culture, not very diverse, and um, it was overwhelming. You know, I remember, like, leaving work and going to my car and walking in the parking lot, feeling really alone, feeling really alone, feeling very lonely, because there's nobody waiting for me at the house. There's nobody waiting for me at the apartment, right? I'm just going back. And, but I do, I felt like that was my refuge too. I felt safe there because that it becomes almost like a cocoon away from the world. And that's why you've heard, all heard of Jen. Jen became almost like a role model to me because I saw her doing what I wasn't able to do. She'd been married a long time. She'd moved to Portland. And, you know, uh, Jen is younger than me. She's about five years younger than me. But here she is, this lady in her 40s, single now, um, adult children, but completely thriving. She had a whole social life. You know, she had multiple social outlets, you know. She was so confident. I remember going to her apartment and I was so impressed because... She was so cool. Here she is. She's got all these little things going on. And she she totally immersed herself into Portland. And um, I, I just didn't know where to start. I didn't know, like, where I fit in, who I was going to hang out with. Um, my time, actually, in Portland, um, in, in hindsight now, I ended up meeting some really great people um, that became my friends. Another one you're going to eventually hear from is Tiffany, who was and who is one of the most magical people I've ever met. Also very, very, very independent, very successful, very strong, and really a native of Portland who kind of opened up my eyes and showed me this social life that I never had before. If I want to backtrack on something, I did actually end up getting into a you know, pretty serious relationship. I think I met somebody my second week there and we, we, we ended up spending time together and that ended up sort of, again, I, I it kind of made me not face me again and I got really involved with this, 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 this person and um, he, 
I, I was doing my old patterns again, right? And I remember one time him telling me, you really walk slow. And I remember being so conscious of that. And like I would, oh, I got to get better because that's something that's not good. And um, I remember him telling me that I wasn't good at telling a story. So I would always rehearse things before I would say things to him. Again, susceptible to that not being good enough. I fell into that trap again. And that relationship didn't end up working in the end. And that was because I'm changing. I'm starting to, I'm getting stronger. The rewiring is happening, right? And then I really thought about, I don't want to be in a relationship where I want to have to walk on eggshells. So I'm going to not, I'm not, this is not going to work for me. And that was really very heartbreaking for me, but I had to make myself, I had to cut it off because I realized I'm not going to be with somebody for a long time again and not be happy. So, um, you know, and Jennifer really helped me through that. She really helped me because here I now have somebody that's going to listen to me without judgment and I can kind of unpack this stuff. I've, I'm not, I didn't date a lot, so I didn't really have the tools. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And, you know, coming out of that, I was very, very heartbroken. I was not doing well. But then, you know, I just kind of reset eventually. And I ended up dating again. But this was a different different kind of situation. You know, it became more of a... I was more independent in some ways, but still trying to figure out my place. So I hope everybody... The, 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 the reason why I want to talk about this is because I, I feel <coughs> um, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to figure my happiness out. And we, I think a lot of people feel this way, and I think it's okay. I'm acknowledging my naivety sometimes in situations. I'm acknowledging that the journey is still ongoing. And it's not negative, it's exciting. I'm acknowledging too that my relationship with my children, my adult children, that's changing. They're becoming, like, I'm so proud of them all because they're all amazing human beings independent of me and so to be able to have these candid conversations they support me and I'm I'm really happy so I hope the mothers out there get something from this I want I want us all to be able to go on this journey together empty nesting being an empty nester is no joke. Um, and I want to build a support system for us all. Um, especially when you're an empty nester and you've gone through a divorce too. Um, to face this alone is hard. But the goal is to 
the goal of this is to reach out. I want to tell my story and I want to hear your stories and I want to acknowledge what we do as mothers sometimes can be detrimental. The intent, though, is purely love. And this is, again, a anti-fear podcast. And it's a podcast to be authentic, to, to really let people really be who they are, who they really are. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find me, the real me, the Cora, the real Cora, the real me, and um, honor that person, heal, and love me, and know that, you know what, if my parents didn't love me, it wasn't my fault, and I need to love myself, and it's such a cliche to say that, self-love, love self, but I think loving yourself means not being so hard on ourselves, not being so critical, not and not being so willing to change and morph to meet other people's standards. So my quest right now, somebody just asked me today, my really good friend asked me, what makes you happy? And I had to really pause because I'm really trying to find that out. And there are moments that I am happy, really happy, and I'm I'm trying to bottle those and figure out what makes it what makes me feel happy at that moment. What is it? I went to LA for the first time and was with my best friend and we drove we were driving along the Pacific um highway, coastal Pacific Highway, I think. And um, it was so beautiful. And then we, we found this little area to stand and just look at the ocean. And I loved the ocean. I just stood there and watched. It was sunny. So I could feel the sun just on my skin, just on my arms. And it was not too, it was no, it wasn't too cold. It wasn't too hot. It was just right. It was just the warmth of the sun. I just felt like I was getting a hug. And then I'm just watching these kind of these waves just crash. And it was just so stunning. There was trees and greenery and this, the, the waves, the water was so blue. You could see in there, in the water, the, the rocks and fishes. It was really, it was just, that moment was happiness. It was so good. And, and we were just both just staring out there, just staring, just like, wow. And then... I realized, I mean, and my friend kept telling me um, that she said to me, it's those moments, right? This is it. This is it. This is it. And I want to live a life like that. I'm, I'm not want to. I will. I will. I am. And so the fact that I'm even doing this impromptu podcast is a moment that I'm reflecting. And um, I really hope that whoever's listening is really going to get something out of this. This is, life is to be lived, right? And I I have no regrets because it's brought me to this point. But 
I think this is going to be a very interesting journey. And um, I'm really just privileged to be able to do this. I'm very grateful for my life. And um, I'm just honored to share it with you all and hopefully um, have you all listen and enjoy. So take care and um, have a wonderful day, evening, night. And uh, I'll be talking to you again and we'll be having somebody on the podcast again just to hear their stories. And if you go on our website, um, you can actually uh, apply to, well, not even apply, but just fill out some information um, for an interview. Everybody has a story and I would love to hear from any of you um, to tell your story and take care. Bye bye.